I think the hardest part is having the idea for me. Once you feel like you have a solid idea, then you really just start doing it. And as you do it, you learn and you and you learn more and you learn more and, and you define it and then it becomes more of a specific project. It was interesting though, because you, you know, you, you sort of, as you're doing it, as you're going to number 53 or 54, you're thinking, oh, what can I do differently? Or am I, I going to get something that's different enough that's not going to sort of seem similar to the other one or this one or that one? So it got almost got trickier as it went along. But funnily, I think the photographs got better as I went along. <laughs> Hey, welcome to episode 325 of the Beginner Photography Podcast, brought to you by CloudSpot, the easiest way to sell and deliver photos online. I am your host, Raymond Hatfield, and today we are chatting with fine art portrait photographer Anna Gabriel about her project ID and getting uniquely up-close and personal look at some of the already most photographed people on the planet. You know, sometimes... Um, Every once in a while, I will see a project from a photographer and think, wow, so simple, yet so powerful. Why did I not think of that? And that is especially the case for uh, this week's guest, Anna Gabriel. Anna has a new book out called ID, that is E-Y-E-D-I-D, where she takes some of the world's most famous artists, whether it be musicians, TV and film stars, who have all been photographed a million times, But she gets real close, right? Like, so close that she's only photographing just an eye. And in just looking at some of the photos of eyes, I think that it's really interesting how you're still able to tell, you know, not only who those eyes belong to, which I think in and of itself is fascinating, but also what these people are thinking, what they are feeling, just in the emotion, in the, in, the, in, in the muscles around their eyes, you can see that and you can feel that. And that is a perspective that, you know, only people uh, very close to somebody typically ever see. And we are allowed that, you know, through obviously Anna's project, which is so much fun to look at. Anna is the daughter of musician Peter Gabriel. And now that you know that, I hope that my first question will make just a bit more sense. So with that, let's go ahead and get on into today's podcast with Anna Gabriel. Anna, I'm assuming that music was an omnipresent element of your childhood. When did you know that photography was going to play an important role in your life? Um, I think I was always interested in the visual side of things. Uh, my my dad, in fact, had a, a Super 8 camera when we were really young and... Uh, a lot of different cameras around the house he used to use all the Polaroid too. He used to try and take pictures of my sister and I every single day and then to see how long he could do it for. I think it lasted about a month before we went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but we, uh, you know, we, I always was fascinated by the, by the cameras he had and, and, um, at that time, I liked being in front of the camera and performing. Now I'd rather be behind the camera. Um, but it was uh, it was always interesting to me. And then, I mean, I kind of actually moved into um, dance uh, when I was younger and, and went to college for dance. And I think sort of the second year of college, I realized I wasn't sort of determined or, or ready enough to be a professional dancer and uh, sort of switched to the photography program. And at that point, you know, I loved it. I sort of thought, oh, this is this is much more me, and and it's um, I can express myself uh, visually in in exciting ways. And and thought, 
well, you know, I, this is something I could do uh, as a profession. Um, and in fact, I, I did, you know, I, I studied it at school. I did the two years um, for undergrad. And then I went to grad school for photography. And in fact, because I had a teacher, um, his name was Joel Sternfeld, who uh, was an incredible photographer, but he uh, was an amazing teacher. And um, I he also taught at, at SVA uh, grad, grad school in New York. And so I sort of car- wanted to carry on learning with him. So I just went to, went to SVA uh, so I can continue classes with him. Um, and in fact, during uh, grad school, um, the, the, I think there were 20 people in my year or something, they all switched to a video. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was one person who came out of the program still doing photography, which uh, which I thought was funny and, and, and strange for the time. For me personally, it was because um, I felt video sort of represented a bit more of the movement uh, from the dance as well as the visual from the photography. So it was, for me, it was a combination. Um and and at the time when I was when I was uh, still doing photography, at that time I was trying to find ways to get movement into still photographs. Um, whether that was you know slow shutter speeds, double exposures, blurring, layering, sort of doing very abstract work. Um, and uh, and a video sort of felt like the next progression of that for me. But I've since you know kind of come back to photography and. Um, and really enjoying it again. I'm not moving as much, so maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I was just going to ask. That was going to be my next question. Why Why come back to photography? What is it about the medium that obviously there isn't as much, um, I guess, direct motion as video has? So right. what is it now well, about photography that you're finding really I mean, inspiring? I think now, I mean, it just, um, you know, as, uh, as a point in my life, I think the still moments are, are important to me. Um, more so than the, the motion that's going on around. Um, so I think it appeals to me more in that sense. But also um, I find, I mean, I still love to to layer and, and find movement within the still photograph. But um, I think with this, with the project I've done recently with the book that's coming out, that was... Um, in fact started I always sort of kept going with a few sort of portrait work here and there during the years but um, I was asked by my dad to do a uh, sort of uh, album insert for one of his uh, uh, covers albums and we were trying to figure out a way to show the different artists who he'd covered who had covered him and um, and put them inside the album insert Um, so we thought uh, we wanted to come up with a sort of identification for each person, as it were. And so we thought, well, what about a sort of macro shots of the thumb, uh, the thumbprint or the eye? Um, and so we did that. I did sort of, I think it was 12 people in the album, did shots of their sort of, you know, macro shots of their eye and the thumb together. Um, and then as I was doing it, I felt, oh, this is a really interesting project. And um, although I liked the thumb element, I felt that the eye was giving me a lot more and it was uh, very interesting to just, because, you know, you don't really think of going in, you know, where you're doing a typical portrait of someone, you're, you're seeing their whole face or their body or their body language and you get a lot of information there, but just to focus on one aspect of their face. And, and I often focused on just one eye and not two eyes even. So um, I found it 
fascinating what you could get from that. And I think, you know, especially during this last few years of all of us wearing masks, uh, you really can get a sense of, of people through just their eyes and whether they're what they're saying to you, whether they're smiling, whether they're sad, whether they're angry. And and um, and so it was a, a really interesting project in that respect. And I think doing it with people whose faces also are, are very much in the public eye, so they're seen all the time, um, going a little more intimate to their eyes, uh, you know, you kind of saw a different side to them that you're used to seeing. So, Of course. Yeah. That was very interesting to me. I'm really excited to get more into your book here, um, but mm -hmm. I do I do want to rewind back to those early days in yes. photography, because I know that a lot of listeners right now are kind of at that stage and kind of figuring out, you know, what is it that I want to do? How do I even get this camera to work? So mm -hmm. when you had first started getting into photography, obviously you'd been kind of around cameras your whole life, but when you started to get behind the camera, what was the biggest struggle for you as far as learning how the camera worked and how to, how to capture an image? Hey, Raymond here. Are you looking for fresh inspiration behind the lens? Whether you're in a bit of a creative slump or just eager to try something new, I've got just the thing for you. Our free download, 46 Creative Photography Ideas to Get You Out of a Rut, is packed with unique, imaginative, and fun photography challenges that will rekindle your passion and help you see the world through a new perspective. From capturing the beauty of the night sky to transforming everyday objects into artistic masterpieces. Each idea is designed to spark your creativity and elevate your photography skills. And the best part? It's completely free. So why wait? Visit creativeimageideas.com right now and grab your free guide. Let's turn that inspiration into stunning images. Um, I think there were a couple of things. I mean, I... Um... I, learning a new camera, I think learning the camera itself, um, because every camera is different. And, and I felt the actual, you know, learning um, what it was uh, about the specific camera I was using and how to, you know, adjust things. And, and um, I mean, I found it a lot easier at that time. There wasn't so much digital uh, did, there, were the digital, there was so much uh, digital cameras and it was much easier to kind of learn and, and read through the manual and get, get the hang of things. Um, now there's all sorts of things you can do with them. So it makes it a lot more complicated, I think. Um, and also, you know, the darkroom too. I mean, I loved the darkroom. I did black studded and black and white. And um, I actually, my, my father ended up buying a, um, an apartment in New York with, with the dark, the, previous owner had a dark room in there. Wow. So I was very excited and I got to, um, got to kind of go in there and set it, reset it up and, and play and, uh, kind of get to know it on my own. I mean, I studied at school, but I, it was nice to sort of, I think when you have a space your own, you can really play and make mistakes. And, and you, you know, I think the best tool of learning is making mistakes yeah um so i actually really enjoyed messing around and 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 a lot of the mistakes in fact were some of my favorite work that i did you know I, and i found that it they always inspired me mistakes whether it was you know um overexposure or underexposure or chemicals not working or whatever it was it was something interesting was created for me and I, I really enjoyed that process um so I think but you know I 
again, similar with the camera too, I think, you know, if you don't get it right the first time, there's often something interesting there. Um, so always learn from whatever you're doing, you know, it's, of course. It's, um, and be open to it, I think. I think that's a that's a real hard lesson for for new photographers. I think in this world where we see so many photographs, you know, and all the photographs that are going to be published are, um, I guess, quote unquote, finished, right? So we assume that everything that is in a photo is is done intentionally. But I agree with you. Some of my favorite photos were complete accidents, and yet I will still share them as you know, as quote-unquote finished photos, you know, and that can be hard for a yes. beginner to, to fully understand that. So I love you sharing that. I really appreciate the, that insight. That's very cool. Um, so let's let's dive into your book here, ID, right? Yes. Super interesting concept. I love the idea. Uh, you shared, obviously, how it got started there with, uh, with uh, uh, for an album insert for uh, one of your father's albums. Um, I know that when... I uh, have my my photograph taken, or if I'm looking in somebody's eyes, it can feel uncomfortable, right? Like, let's just be honest, it can feel very uncomfortable. But at the same time, I started this podcast as a video podcast so that I could look in somebody's eyes, right? So there is kind of this, th there's this fine line between uncomfortable and, um, um, I don't know what the word that I'm looking for here is, uh, and uh, necessary, perhaps, right, to be able to, to have a connection. Yes. Um, d how much consideration was that put into when, um, when, when creating your book, when, when deciding to take these photographs? Well, I decided, I mean, it, it, it was, it was def I definitely thought about it because I know that for myself, coming right up to your face feels very awkward i mean it, it, with there's something a little easier with a camera between you because it's it's not direct eye contact which can be very intimidating to you know from one person to another but um with a camera and i think also that that obviously most of the people that i have i photographed are used to a camera in some way or another not that it makes it any easier um and a lot of them did feel very uncomfortable um but there's something in the uncomfortability too that I find interesting. Um, you know, as you you sort of want them to to feel comfortable. I think the minute you enter the person's, where it's the apartment or backstage or wherever you are shooting, and for me, I, I specifically made this project uh, very easy for the artist to to be a part of it. So I, I made it so it was just myself, just a camera, no lighting, not using natural daylight. Uh, so there was no setup time and it could be very quick and fast and intimate and, and in and out. And so it made it, you know, easy for someone to to say yes and be a part of the project. Um, so I uh, but the, the second you yeah, you sort of walk into their room or the space you you're working in, you kind of gather or, you know, as you start having conversation with them, too, it's this um, immediate uh, m making someone feel comfortable and I think you know as a photographer for, for any portrait photographer you, you sort of almost need to know um, almost be a psychologist too need to know <laughs> need to know people and need to know how to make them comfortable how to have conversations how to sort of relax them how to sort of you know get them also comfortable with their body and their position and their I mean taking a macro shot of the eye is not as much obviously you don't have to worry so much about the body and the shape and, and how they're pose but but still there's a lot that 
you know, that happens within the eye. So, I, you know, I'd get up very close. Sometimes I'd, I'd sort of stay a little further away and zoom in, but it was, it was, um, I was mainly sort of very, up very close to their face. Um, and then, you know, once they're talking, some people, and it depends on who the person is, you know, some people will talk and, and be very comfortable, more comfortable chatting away, and other people would be much more comfortable being totally silent and drifting off and thinking of something else. So it depended on the situation, the person. But also, you know, I, I kind of... I always went in with a plan of how I'd like, of what I know of the person and, and how I'd like to shoot them and what I'd like to get out of the photograph. And and then once you're in the moment, you, you kind of throw the plan out the window and go with whatever's <laughs> of there. Course. Of course. <laughs> so, but I think if you originally have the plan, it helps because you, you, you're then more comfortable into what you're looking for and what you're trying to get. Um, yeah. And it's also um, makes them a little more comfortable too. I think once they once then you know you're you're moving them and they're moving and you're catching different elements of light um it, it you know then you never know where those things are going to take you sure um, of course. so it's you know it's it was an interesting process i i um I really enjoyed kind of being that close with people because I think it was um there was a moment between me and the person to physically being that that close with the camera on their eye um and that was interesting to to see the responses to it mm -hmm. and and who was more comfortable than who wasn't and now um, can i ask when you say that you yes. you go in with a plan uh is that plan to elicit a specific emotion out of somebody or is it just the physical space that you're going to be in can you can you walk me through that a little bit um it would normally be like how did i want to shoot the eye like because within the series i mean there's you know when you're doing a sort of macro shot of someone's eye i mean of course everyone's eye is different but you don't want to do a straight shot of an eye on every photograph because it it, it kind of gets a little boring sure. you want to change it up a bit so you know before each shoot I would kind of I'd actually practice on my kids and my husband at home and uh, <laughs> and sort of pose them a little and and do I want to use to turn to the, the head to the side do I want to look up down you know with a with a arm in the way a hand in the way or, or a depth of field thing or how do I want to you know change it up as it were and, and what made sense also with for that person that I was shooting mm -hmm. um so that's the sort of idea I'd go in with and then um often those things you know wouldn't necessarily work though especially with the lighting because I think um using natural daylight you never I never knew what I was gonna get um so I couldn't control that and that was tricky because there were some areas like one person I shot in the backstage of a um, concert and there was they couldn't go outside because it was that you know they get mobbed by people and they couldn't um then there wasn't any daylight in the room there was like a tiny little window and so i had to sort of get them right in there change the settings like really you know ha i had to work with it you know and, and and do something completely different than what i'd expected to do so um it's, it's you know you just never know you kind of have to go with it and and and, and be open enough to really play again <laughs> it, yeah in those moments mm. how do you determine because if you go in with an idea and mm. it has to change immediately how do you determine whether or not the photo turned out um to your liking um 
Well, I would take, I would keep sort of shooting. And I actually, for this point, I only would shoot for 20 to 30 minutes. So it was a quick, mm. um, a quick turnaround. Um, but I sort of felt I would shoot as long as they'd let me really to. I mean, they often I, I would go in saying this is going to be fast. So I didn't want to keep them too long. And, sure. and it, often they were about to go on stage or about to do something, about to do something else. So there wasn't much time to spare. But um, I think the more time I had, the more I could play with different ideas in the moment. Um, and I'd change it as much as possible with three or four kind of different turns of the head, cap different light capturing the area of the eye, whatever it was. And then afterwards, or, or I'd go through and see, okay, I think I've got it. There, there's one I love, or I know I love that one. And, let, and then I'm done. We're good to go. Hey, Raymond here, and we will get back to the show in just a moment. You know, as a photographer, you want to be able to quickly come up with creative ideas that stand out. So to help you, I put together a list of 46 creative ideas to get you out of a rut that you can download by heading over to creativeimageideas.com. And honestly, even if you're not in a rut, shooting any of these creative ideas in this free ebook will help you to think more out of the box and create something unique and give you that critical real world photography experience. So again, head over to creativeimageideas.com to download your free 46 creative photo ideas now. With that, let's get back to today's interview. And I guess that was going to kind of bring me to my next question, which I think you kind of touched upon there, which was when you're photographing the eye so close, um, essentially full frame, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you make the photo stand out, right? Because you're taking a series of photos. Maybe you'll take, I'm guessing, 15, 20, 30, 40 photos. What makes a photo of an eye stand out to you? Like what makes you choose that photo to be in your series versus another? Uh, for me, it was a combination of um, the frame, the light, and the emotion that I was that was coming across. Um, there were some that the like, for example, somebody would be looking out the window for a few minutes, and there was a, a moment of like you could tell they were lost in thought and thinking of something else, or maybe the next thing they were doing in their day, or, or whatever it was. And and you could and the way that there maybe the light or the or the window reflected in their pupil or something else like hit was the right moment you know so it felt okay that that or you know in other scenarios it might be that um the way they stared directly at me um or at the camera lens rather um and uh were almost aggressive towards it and very much like here I'm here and this is what I'm doing I'm here get it done or whatever the thing and that feeling and that moment and that sort of contact was another example but you kind of you know the same person might have gone from either of those those extremes in one session um but it depended on what i felt was the captured the the general feeling moment of the shoot wow okay so so you go in with a plan for a composition, a frame, a pose that you want. Right. And then it sounds like you're letting the subject choose what emotion comes through in their images. Is that right? Yes. Yes, Man. definitely. I didn't give too much direction in terms of 
of how you know discussing things sometimes if you know discuss things that are sadder or happier or or create bring out an emotion in them um i really wanted to kind of let it go with this uh, because i think with the eye it's just if and when you're that close it's sort of there's already extreme emotions there being that close to somebody's face so i think allowing them to evolve or or disappear or whatever is is kind of more interesting in a way yeah, I I completely agree. I'm trying to think here because I know that you've had um, more than 50 subjects that you photographed, correct? Yes, I think okay. it was 54. 54, yes. wow. So obviously for those listening, some very notable names. There's uh, Willem Dafoe, which is insane. He's a, he's a genius. We've got Mick Fleetwood, obviously a legend. Susan Sarandon as well. Uh, and then, of course, your own father. Um, were there any moments that stood out to you um, when getting so close to somebody? Um... Here's the fastest way to start making money with your photography. Head to deliverphotos.com to sign up for a free CloudSpot account. There, you can create a digital storefront to sell your prints in just a few clicks. The most popular print sizes are 4x6s, 5x7s, and 8x10s, so be sure to offer those. With CloudSpot's global markup tool, you can create profitable pricing without any guesswork. Now, when you send a client their gallery, surprise them with a small print credit to encourage them to purchase additional prints. Look, CloudSpot really is the easiest way to deliver and sell photos online. So grab your free CloudSpot account today by signing up at deliverphotos.com now. I don't think so. I mean, people were really um, open to to me coming in very close to their eyes. I, I think a lot of people, funnily, when they, you know, most people, when you get nervous, you blink your eyes and there's a lot of flutter and at, at the first there'd be a lot of with most people a lot of blinking because um you know it's a nervous reaction um so it was interesting people felt and then they would get worried that they weren't keeping their eyes open so mm-hmm. then they'd stress about keeping their eyes open and, and so often I would actually have people close their eyes and rest for a minute and then when they open and then I'd say open when they opened them and they were more relaxed, I'd take the photograph. So it was, it was, um, but the different people, you know, different people responded differently. I remember, um, I'm trying to think, well, Susan Sarandon was amazing, I thought, because she had, she has the most beautiful eyes and eyelashes that were um, incredible. But she was one of the people who were, were looking out the window and, and she was actually talking with me. A lot of people, <clears throat> didn't talk but she was we were having a conversation she was uh, sort of very interested in the project and talking about eyes and then and what you know what you could gather from them and all that sort of thing so we were having that conversation and then she kind of drifted and like just started staring out the window and um and that was the moment I took and in fact she turned her head so it was the side of her head sort of uh, um side view of her eye but and looking out the window and then you could see the eyelashes were just so huge and and um so I, I I sort of loved that one of her um and um it was interesting though because you you know you you sort of as you're doing it as you're going to number 53 or 54 you're thinking oh what can I do differently or am I, I going to get something that's different enough um that's not going to sort of seem similar to the other one or this one or that one because, uh, you know, not being in so many different um, 
you not being able to control lighting or, or backgrounds or anything else or you know it, you can't it ends up being similar just from using the same daylight using the same sort of situation um so it got almost got trickier as it went along but funnily i think the photographs got better as i went along <laughs> oh interesting why is that yes. how, how is it that how is it that you're worried that they're all going to start looking the same and then they all start getting better and better how does that happen well i think it was um a combination of I th- well i think my comfortability of like letting it letting the idea go a little and um getting used to shooting in that in in that small intimate way um and being able to then play more in the moment um and and gather what i could get so you know if the, the small things it's all the kind of the tiny turn of the head or the look down or the look up or the sort of you know whether they're feeling whatever emotion they're in of the day it's it's kind of or what state what time of day changes too whether you're more tired you're more awake whether they were you know that you could kind of you just were i was more in tune with all those things Mm -hmm. so you could kind of control the 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 details Mm -hmm. as it were i guess that's what it is (laughs) were you trying to capture every range of emotion um and time of day and different um feelings for your book or did it happen more organically it was more organically because i didn't think i could i think if you go in with a real specific um thing that you're trying to get or an emotion from someone you're probably not going to get it uh it feel it feels forced sure. then i think so you really have to let it let it be open with it mm-hmm. so then when it comes time to putting together the book um I guess, I guess let me ask first, were there, were there, was there ever a time, I guess, okay, hold on, let me try to reframe this question here. After a shoot, you would go, right? You would come home, you would look at the photos. Would you then pick a photo and then when it came time to put the book together, you chose that photo or was there ever a time where you thought, you know what, I think that there might be a better or a different emotion for this person that might fit better for the book? Does that make, does that make sense? Yes, I did both. I mean, I, I generally, I'd say 90% of them were the one that I chose on the day. Um, there, but then I kind of, there were there were a few that just didn't work with the rest of the book or with the flow of the book. Um, and that's a whole other thing because I haven't done necessarily that before. It was my first time creating a book. So I, it was really, the flow of the book was quite important, like how you're how you're going through it and what photograph you're seeing after the next and the next. And I spent a long time with all of them laid out on the table, trying to figure out an order and um, and what felt better after another. And so some of them during that process, uh, a couple of people I went back and re looked at all the all the photographs I'd taken them them and, and thought, oh, this this one will actually fit a lot better in this in the bigger picture, mm-hmm. um, and changed it. Uh, there were there were two also people that I really struggled trying to f- between a couple of photographs what worked what didn't work um, so I, I kind of like I think Tom Petty was one of those and especially you know as he's now passed away and in fact a couple of people in the book have since passed away but I, I um he was there was one that was a lot more sort of 
the one I ended up putting in the book is almost more abstract. It was um, it was out of focus, kind of, and it had his smile. He was smiling, so his eyes had the smile lines going up the side, and and you could really get a, a, a wonderful, I think, feeling of his, you know, happiness and energy of the moment, and and you know his laughter, and and I loved that. In retrospect, he was, you know, he's actually a my. Um, friend's father and and I'd known him for quite some time so it was I felt to leave you know as a lasting memory of him for me that was a more emotional moment for me than of course the sort of more straighter shot of him not as the smiling do you think that knowing him personally for quite a while obviously made it more difficult to choose the right photo to put into the book um, yes, it was. There were a few people in the book that I've known for a while, and it definitely um, was harder because you you have a pre notion of who they are and what you know what you want to what emotions they represent, what what you want to get from them. So it was it's much harder to let go of what you originally think, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so I I really had to go for what I thought was the best image and not what I knew of them. That's got to be very difficult, very difficult for a a project like this where I'm assuming that, um, I guess, what is, when when somebody looks at the book, right, when somebody goes Mm -hmm. through the book, what do you want them to feel? Um, I think, you know, sort of, I'd like them to sort of be able to see what you can really get from someone's eye and, and, and understand that there's a lot more to a detail of someone, a detail of, of their eye, of, of, of a part of them that, that can give you information and, um, and understanding of who that person might be. Mm. Um, so, and I think especially as, as I said at the beginning that these people are well known, um, that it there's a lot of preconceived ideas you have of someone especially sort of a musician or an actor from the press from the public from what what you've read and all those sort of things and i think this was another way to look at them um that was more personal unless this is who they are these are the this is the scandal they've been through or whatever it is um i love that idea i think when it comes to photography, photography is definitely one of those mediums where um, I think with uh, with video, you know, a director, producer is is telling a very specific story. Um, and we as the viewer are guided through that and we follow along with the story. But I think with photography, there's a lot more room for interpretation. Um, and I think that this project sounds perfectly suited <laughs> to be um, done through photography and I'm glad that you didn't do it with video um, because again I think it seeing these images it is more powerful and it lets you wonder you know what is going on what are they thinking Uh, you know what is going through their head there must be so many things um, going on and obviously so I guess I gotta ask is the um, is the project complete now or is this gonna be an ongoing project forever it's a hard one because I I I could have been ongoing forever it took it took a long time to do this one just because I was in and out of, of doing the project, um, uh, doing other, other work, um, but also getting the artists themselves to 
agree and then have time was another mission as well because they're often on tour or in the studio or working on a film or whatever it was so um but you know since it's like oh you should shoot so and so or they should be you should do their Irish and I'll be like yes I'd love to so I'd, you know there's always a oh I'd love to shoot someone else and, and do another one um so maybe you know maybe I would continue but at, at some point I had to be like okay this is enough I need to I need to let it go I need to continue on and I think that with most projects you know you you could if, once you were in the swing of things you could really carry on for a long time and you really kind of have to stop yourself and say okay this is when I need to put it out there and let go yes that is something that many new photographers struggle with so much like when is the photo done when am I done with this thing and uh, great insight right there sometimes you just got to be done and put it together yes. and put it out there into the world. Uh, but I do want to yes. know, is there anybody um, living or past who you would just like, who's like the dream to get into, uh, uh, to photograph mm-hmm. for your project? Oh gosh. There's so many. I was, yeah, there are so many. I mean, also there's so many people with interesting eyes too. You know, I kept thinking of people like, uh, I mean, I don't even think I could name <laughs> I did want to get I did want to get Joni Mitchell. She was someone I really wanted to grab, um, which didn't man- manage to come around. But she was. I feel there's probably a lot a lot to say in her eyes. Um, there were a few of that, and I did also though want to get more um, people that weren't just musicians or actors. Because I think those were the people I had access to. But um, I would have loved to have got more sports people or writers or or people from different artistic professions. Um, and uh, and that would have been interesting to me, but I I just didn't have as many of those connections in the end. Um, well, maybe that'll be the next book then. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know that there's going to be some people listening right now who are thinking, this is such a cool idea. I would love to create a photo project like this. What advice would you have for somebody um, looking to just start something but don't don't know where to? Well, I think that's just it. Just start because that you, as you learn, as you go. So you know whether it's shooting at home or with your friends. Your, I mean, I also wanted to do animal eyes. I thought that would be an interesting. Uh, I mean, it's you know many people have shot animal eyes, but I, I think they're stunning. You know, and they're really amazing in, an, in another way. But but you know, just I think the hardest part is having the idea for me. Um, once you feel like you have a solid idea, then you really just start doing it. And as you do it, you learn and you and you learn more and you learn more and, and you define it and then it becomes more of a specific project. Um, but really, you know, I'm a, as I've said, a huge believer in playing around and, and, and uh, figuring out as you go almost. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Well, um, Anna, I think that we have come just about to the end of our time here. Um, I got one last question for you before I ask yes. where we can find uh, more information about the book, of course. And that sure. is, is there anything that maybe I didn't ask you today that you want to make sure that new photographers understand about um, either what it is that you're doing or or just the world of photography in general? Um, well, I think I, part, some part of photography that I love too that I didn't do with this project, which I did before, I sort of mentioned at the beginning, is is layering um, mediums. Like there, I often was paint uh, when I started photography, would paint on glass and shoot through the glass. Um, so I would, you know, create an image that had both painting and 
the photograph behind it. Um, so I, you know, I, I think being open to really experimenting with things is, is something that, that I personally love. I think it's, it's, um, and being inspired by different art forms also in that respect, like I'm, you know, inspired by photographers, but also painters, uh, you know, all, all different kinds of sculptures, you know, uh, all, all different kinds of art. I think it kind of, if you can take your inspiration from many more places than just photography work, it can also, you know, make your make your photographs more more interesting or more add some depth or or you know whatever. I mean, it depends on what style you like to do. But personally, you know, I love the layering idea of of photography i love that well anna uh, again before i let you go where can listeners find um more about you and of course your book as well um well my book is available on all sort of standard book sites um and uh i have uh well, it all, there's also a website for ID, which is um, idphotographs.com. Um, and I have a website, annamariegabriel.com, um, although I haven't updated in quite some time, so it's a lot of older work. <laughs> Same, I get it. It's um, a lot. Yes, yes. Um, but those are probably, yeah, the, the places you can find me. Um, I'm on social media, too, as Anna Marie Gabriel Photography is, is what I am most places. What I love about photography is that it can be as big or as small as you want. And having these conversations with photographers kind of gives you the window into what it is that they're thinking. Um, and with this project, I, or with this, uh, interview rather, I had three main takeaways. The first one was when you have an idea, just start, just start it, just get going. And that could be one of the hardest things, right? Having an idea is probably one of the hardest things, but once you have that idea, actually getting started is that next hardest thing. Like that's where I'm stuck right now, right? I have an idea for something. I need to just get started. I need to stop thinking about it. I need to just get started. Takeaway number two is just to allow some flexibility as it can help jumpstart your creativity. Oftentimes we can be very rigid uh, and sometimes it's when you go with the flow that things uh, ease, ease up a little bit and you can see what a project is really going to be. I loved that. And takeaway number three is that a project will never be done, but at some point, you have to share it with the world. You have to get it out there. And, you know, several times I have been, uh, you know, uh, stuck in that moment where I've been working on something so hard and I think just a little bit more, I can take this a little bit further and I just need to get it out there in the world so that I can get back to shooting. My biggest takeaway from this interview with Anna Gabriel, however, was her adaptability. You know, you have to have that, uh, you know, key trait to be able to make something like this. You have an idea, you test it out, you know, and then you walk into the room and your idea completely falls apart. But like, what are you going to do? You still have to create something. And that's why I think having a theme is going to help you keep on track, even when uh, everything goes off the rails, so to speak. You know, at weddings, I... I walk in with this grand idea of these amazing photos I'll take. And I have the photos in my head. I'm ready to capture them. And then the second that I walk in, my plans completely fall apart. Whether it's, you know, the venue is totally different. The lighting is totally different. The mood is totally different. The couple are totally different. Um, and while that is frustrating, 
I really think that it sharpens your skill to be able to adapt quickly and stay uh, on target. And if you've got any questions about this episode or feedback on the show, feel free to reach out to me directly by clicking the contact tab at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. And while you're there, be sure to download my free Picture Perfect Camera Settings Cheat Sheet with camera settings for more than 10 popular types of photography filled with my own personal and professional images and real-life camera settings so that you know just where to start. That is it for this week. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by CloudSpot. It is the easiest way to deliver and sell your photos online. You can learn more about CloudSpot by heading over to deliverphotos.com right now. And remember, the more that you shoot today, the better you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Beginner Photography Podcast. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving a review in iTunes. Keep shooting, and we'll see you next week.